This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. Today, I'm going to bring on a guest that's all over Chicago networking, shaking hands. His name is Carlos Saba, and uh, he brings a lot to the table in the CFO world. And I'm going to let him do a, a background um, on him and what he, he does for a living. And then we'll get into a good conversation about what businesses uh, should be looking for going forward. Thanks so much for having me, Butch. Appreciate you yeah. and the benefits uh, putting this together and the and the great content that you put out consistently to to help uh, executives and and mid sized business owners. Yep. So my name is Carlos Saba. I'm a principal at Pro CFO Partners. We serve as fractional CFOs for mid sized businesses, typically between five and a hundred million dollars in revenue. We want to be working within these companies as the CFO and trusted partner to the owner, CEO, and and members of the leadership team to help these businesses grow, set clear objectives, and ultimately achieve those uh, those goals and milestones. Yeah, and a lot of businesses go through a lot of those changes, right? And they up and down. And of course, from I always say from startup to sell off or acquisition to some day, um, some degree. And so, but a lot has changed over the last even five to ten years, but let alone COVID. So what are what are some of the businesses facing today and dealing with having a CFO uh, in their back pocket, whether it's internal or not? What are, what are some of the dynamics of change and why is there more, uh, it seems more of a demand to have uh, CFOs even on a smaller level than uh, years, uh, years before? You've touched on two great things. So I'll, I'll separate them and, sure. and discuss the advantages of being a, an in-house and, mm-hmm. and full-time CFO versus uh, an outsourced or, or fractional professional mm-hmm. on the team. And then I'll touch what uh, I think are some characteristics of businesses that have been successful and, and been able to thrive in these past uh, two years, especially since COVID has put uh, great strain and pressure um, in a multitude of areas for, mm-hmm. for mid-sized companies. So, we do not want to be thought of as consultants or um, be a resource outside the company. We want to be inside the company. We want to be uh, thought of as an equal, as a partner. We just might not be there 100% of the time. And to many of the people we interact with, either inside the company or outside our, our client they might not might not realize that we're working with a few businesses at the same time. And that's that's an indication to us that we've got a good engagement and a good relationship and are going to be able to be effective with that business because it looks like a, and we're operating as if we were there full time. Mm-hmm. The reason that I think uh, an outsourced model or a fractional model is working at the C-level or or more senior professional service level is because we want to focus on things that are going to truly impact the company and have a meaningful impact and and be a large uh, and significant contribution rather than if you were there full time, you sometimes can get pulled into activities that are not strategic, that would be better done 
by a mid-level professional. It can be done better because that's their um, day-to-day activity. They're going to just do it more quickly uh, and and do it um, competently and at a lower at a lower cost. So, and this is going to apply to all sorts of professionals, uh, be it CFOs or marketing officers, um, legal counsel, uh, I think is another area where, where we've seen this, that the expertise is still there, but at a mid-sized company, that expertise isn't needed 50 hours a week. And it's really about working smarter than, than harder and utilizing the other resources within the business so that it can be done done efficiently. So what, what are a couple things that I've seen for businesses to be effective and been thriving in these last two years? I'd say first is the ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. And this has happened internal to companies, how yep. they deal with their, their workforces, um, and external, how they deal with customers, sourcing. Um, everybody's had to make changes. And, mm-hmm. and those that entrenched themselves more, um, I think were the ones that struggled the most, um, be it struggling to retain the, the quality workers that they had on the team, struggling to meet their, their customers' needs, struggling to hold on to, to customers when their competitors were willing to do something different or adapt to the, the new customer needs. And, and if you stayed entrenched, you absolutely had to have uh, felt felt pain. So what a stronger CFO is going to do, it's going to be, I think, twofold. One, it's understanding the numbers and how that data and how those numbers can drive a more effective decision and result. If, If you don't know what the financial implication of making a change or, or some adaptation is how, how do you know if you should, if you, if you should do it when you can't, can't quantify it. Right. Right. It'd be, you know, like it, going back to your Navy, Navy days, it'd be like flying in the dark uh, yeah. without, without radar. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't, can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. you, you need, um, you need that data. Um, and then two, these are also often mids or our, clients are all mid-sized companies. So mm-hmm. leadership and expertise is is not in abundance. Mm-hmm. So w- with that level of finite people that should be at a table making making critical decisions, we can be incredibly helpful and a and a voice of um, reason, a voice right. of optimism, mm-hmm. um, a, a voice of of support, um, especially when I'd say those the, the businesses that were the hardest hit. Mm-hmm. We've been through this. We, we've been through cycles. We've seen all sorts of companies. It, it's well, one of my old bosses used to say, it's never as good as you think it is. And it's also never as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. So that, that even keel sometimes sure. is, is going to be necessary to help a business weather the, the storm and make good decisions as a collective group to, mm-hmm. to drive the organization forward. Sure. 
you bring up a lot of great points there. And I know in smaller companies, when they hire in-house uh, CFOs, they end up becoming part of operations. Because like you said, there's not a demand for CFO work for 40, 50 hours a week. And so therefore, now they're making operational decisions or they're involved in things that are lower value tasks to what they're doing. And it becomes wasteful in some ways because they're overspending on that compared to uh, an outsourced CFO. But if we were to, you know, just walk through some of how do they get to to that point of when do they actually need it? And so when they're on a smaller scale on a startup, obviously you put a benchmark at about 5 million. I'm sure you'll talk to people that are a little bit under that to try to give them some guidance. But when, when, when a startup company is growing, like what are some things that they, they should be really focused on from a financial standpoint to get ready for that growth when they start entering that market where they should start looking for the outsource CFO? What are some of the things that they should be working on or focused on? Because a lot of small businesses make a lot of mistakes, but maybe one or two tips that might be able to get them to that point a little faster. Absolutely. So I think here are the, the couple things that I would look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, one is making important financial decisions and what's going to be the the larger impact and, and the impact down the road. And when you've got to start to put um, numbers to it, um, that's a great, a great foray for us and, and time to get into the conversation. What's the revenue model? How are we going to charge customers? What can we do in this business that's going to make it stickier? Or what can we do to make it more appealing um, for the customer, but maybe also more consistent for us as a business to plan it out? Right, right. Recurring revenue models are, Mm -hmm. are of course, um, a perfect example of that. The second thing that I'd say is, Yes, most of us have some background in accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, as we become more senior in our um, involvement and experience, the accounting is a, a core and key function to it. But what separates a, a good controller from a CFO is the additional hats and experience that that we have. And that's why you'll often see within a, a functional chart of a of a, a mid-sized company, the CFO not only has accounting and, and finance, but ends up with other departments that are of significant importance, be it HR, mm-hmm. operations, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. insurance, yes, right, legal, um, and, and that ability to help out um, and, and take a, a senior um role and responsibility for those areas is what's going to set apart a a CFO from a controller. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a good point. There's a lot of confusion and overlap between a CFO and a controller. Uh, What's the simplest way to understand it for some of these uh, smaller companies that are starting to grow? I would think that um, one of the big things is going to be helping set strategic decisions. Mm -hmm. And controllers are excellent at gathering data, especially things that can be backward looking. Mm -hmm. If it's time to make a decision about what we're doing going forward, Mm -hmm. uh, a CFO is going to take a very different, um, have a different lens or a different point of view and and make different recommendations Mm -hmm. as to what, what the business is looking like. And that's really 
um, what's going to be most important if if you are the CEO or um, a stakeholder in the company. It's it's not it's not so much about what's happened in the past. It's where is sure. this going? Where is it going? Yeah, predictability and and it leads us into another thing I wanted to bring up was some of those things to look for change. So we went from startup and now we're in growth mode. So now we're in the 50 to 50 million, right? And so how do we, uh, you know, maybe you have some pointers. All right, now you're outsourcing to a CFO in some degree, maybe a co- uh, some common mistakes during those growth modes to watch out for, and then obviously to keep projecting beyond, beyond 50 million. I would say the best CEOs and, and operators I've worked with um, know their people, know their business, to a very uh, low level, um, mm-hmm. understanding the, the mood of the, the cleaning person and the administrative assistants, mm-hmm. um, knowing everybody's name, how they're performing. Um, that's a, a key for a lot of, a lot of businesses and, and operators' success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I would encourage to owners even as they get bigger to continue to stay at that at that detailed level or as they build up the management team recruit managers that can can do the same and help um, understand what uh, is happening uh, mm-hmm. at all levels of of the organization sure say the the other big thing there and, and it ties in is there are going to be roadblocks or or places where you're going to get resistance and and I might equate it to the running discussion we were having before we we launched the podcast and runners that do marathons or or ultra marathons or 50 milers are going to talk about experiences of suddenly at mile 16 it just hit me and I, I couldn't get through it. And that's going to happen multiple times in a business's growth trajectory. There sure. are going to be points and it can be operational. It can be people. It can be culture. But understanding when those those barriers come up, what is the best way to get to get around it and and uh, you use that, I think it's sort of like a childhood rhyming game or, yep. or something, but it's like, do we go around it? Do we go over it? Do we go yep. through yep. it? Right. Uh, but every time you're going to get that wall, what's the best path to to get through it? And, and there's no right answer or universal answer, but it's going to happen because there are so many barriers that are mm-hmm. and obstacles that come to a business that started. Yeah, sure. Nothing to get to a hundred million. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 you're right. And what I've learned in the running world is that you mentioned 16 miles. It's different for everybody, right? And so, like, um, I usually like personally, I've never had a problem 16 to 20 miles. It was 22 and 24 miles that was a pain, right? And so, uh, and so, and I'll get it earlier too. So, like, there's times even at four or five miles, it's a pain. I got to push through, and then it might happen again at 13, and then it doesn't happen until later. And uh, referencing businesses, right, that that milestone to push through the wall could vary, right? And so it could be early on, it could be later, it could be in the middle, and it's at different points. And it could be one of those things where it's like a, a leaky pipe, right? You, you, you seal one piece of it, and then there's more pressure going out of another end, and then you're sealing that again. And, and it's just constant. 
And while running can can sometimes or often as an individual sport, th- think of it like a, a team yeah. uh, or a, a relay race, and that's mm-hmm. probably the hardest type of decision as a as a business is going from startup to successful exit is mm-hmm. realizing that one of the team members who was so great mm-hmm. when this was a sprint type mm-hmm. of type of right. race, right isn't the right runner on the team to, to make this endurance race Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what can be done to change the, the responsibilities of them on the team and giving them a a shorter leg, or do you have to substitute them, them out that they're no longer the the team member that that's needed. And those can be incredibly hard, hard decisions because as much as the accounting function and, and reputation might be cold and numerical. Most of these businesses are going to be driven by people relationships and switching a teammate is going to be the much harder decision that, that an owner has to make. If you own a business, elite benefits of America wants to remind you, that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. So you had mentioned uh, in that last segment about exit, right? And so we've seen it a little bit on our side, but not not to the number of details, but I've heard, you know, through the grapevine of some of the acquisitions when some people get finally get to that peak where they're ready to retire, maybe they're done. And then there's a number of reasons. They have partners and they just want out. There's also financial issues that get to that point, right? So, and, and businesses that thrive and they're able to grow, they have to change the books, right? And so, or, or at least get things in order because when it's just you looking at the books with the CFO, you can get away with a lot more. But what are some of the things that you recommend or, or just a couple I, I, things to, to share with our audience of when you're looking for that exit or the acquisition for whatever reason, mergers for even for that matter to merge together and be stronger. What are some of the mistakes and, and maybe some things to look for uh, leading into that conversation? Then why, uh, again, tying it back to why you need a CFO to help guide through that process. Great question. Probably yeah. my, my favorite thing to, to do within <laughs> our, our practice is working with businesses that are are thinking of uh, a sale and, and an exit. That was where I began my career was was selling midsize companies. That's the lens that I bring to every relationship I have is understanding what's the business worth and what can we do to, mm-hmm. to make it worth more. Uh, my first advice would be do what you can to think about this years in advance for a proper and an orderly exit and one where certain risks can be mitigated. Uh, it's much tougher um, and there will be likely a lower value 
mm-hmm. if something tragic is happening and and time is working against the the owner at the same time mm-hmm. so make the list of positive attributes mm-hmm. about the, the company the customer relationships if there's any sort of ip geography um etc and then also make a list of the the challenges within the business and mm-hmm. some of them can be corrected if you're planning this for a couple of years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Some of those expenses that we we know business owners um, are are expensing through the business, but might have a, a mix of personal and and business benefit to it. Um, maybe stopping those, uh, understanding certain people within the organization, and if they should be there um, when meeting a prospective buyer uh, and if they're going to be the right person to to hold that seat post sale uh not all of the the transactions are going to go uh the same way and have the same same people involved mm-hmm. so to the extent that a an owner is clear about what their desires are and it mm-hmm. can be sometimes a, a partial exit mm-hmm. and getting a second bite at the apple right. or uh throwing up the hands, handing over the keys and and three months later they're they're on the beach. That's a, a different a different plan as well. So having those goals laid out and then doing what you can to mitigate those to get through the, the transaction successfully are the two things I would, sure. I would focus. And I could see somebody working so hard and getting to that point, right? Whether it's a uh, you know a boom, like they they grow to fifty or a hundred million or 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 more, and then they they're just out, or somebody that works that long of a career. And I I, w- I couldn't think about any other way without having the guidance, right? And that and the inside the lens, like you said, to to go through that channel because it could be nerve wracking. The mistakes could be costly. You could lose out on a lot of stuff along the way. And a lot of it comes down to money, right? And there's just about dollars, right? And so you could lose a lot of money in the long run if you don't do the things uh, in the right order. And then also it could reflect on the sale or what you actually pull from the business at that at that point. Can you give our audience just a couple tips on uh, if this outsourcing idea of CFO seems intriguing to them? What are some of the things that they should be looking for? Because obviously not all CFOs are created equal. And we joked before we had on the call that there's some CPAs out there that can't get a job. So now they consider themselves CFOs and it's a different lens, right? They just do different things. A lot of CPAs in general do a lot of tax returns and bookkeeping, which is part of the puzzle, but just not the whole picture. But what are some of the things they should be looking for when they're when they're sourcing for a CFO? Uh, I would say having uh, ambitions to grow um, significantly would, would be one good indicator. Um, needing clarity on what's the strategy and the differentiator of the business and what's going to make it truly truly special. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then thirdly, wanting a, a partner that's going to not only give financial reasons and, and numbers and data to support decisions, but also understand contextually why non-numerical things matter and can improve the, the business and, and create value for the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this has definitely been great. And if somebody wanted to reach out and get more clarification on some of the things that we talked about or or expand that conversation with you, what's the best way that they could reach you? 
love phone calls and emails. Uh, my phone number is 608-338-5112. Uh, email is carlos.sava, S-A-V-A, at procfopartners.com. Uh, and we have a website, procfopartners.com. You can read about my bio as well as my 25 partners here in Chicago as well as New York um, and see if there's uh, a CFO who's got the experience that um, is a match for for your business. That's awesome. And I'll include those in the show notes so that way uh, they don't have to k- click uh, rewind to try to get all that information. But uh, I definitely appreciate your time and your expertise. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate the, the content you put out to help the uh, mid-sized business community here in Chicago.